0: grow and expand your erotic potential and possibilities. Hello, welcome to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast. Today, I have an awesome guest to share with you. He's someone that I have known for 13 or 14 years, but hadn't had a really good catch up with in about a decade. We'd been in touch a little bit here and there, but um, we finally got our calendars together, got him booked into the podcast and really had a very open, vulnerable chat and catch up that we recorded. Um, And I think that you will learn a lot from it. Jason is the founder and creator of Tantra for Gay Men, which he created in 2006. Since then, over 16,000 men have attended a Tantra for Gay Men event. And Jason works with uh, individuals, and he also trains facilitators, coaches, and practitioners Uh, For Men Who Love Men. That's where his heart and soul lies. Tantra for Gay Men is here to bring a world of love and freedom for men to know love in the most profound, ecstatic, and orgasmic way. It was so good to catch up with him. And we had a really open, heartfelt, vulnerable conversation. Um, Jason talked a bit about why he is so called to the work, but also some of the difficulties in that and... um, some of the aches and pains of being called to do work that isn't um, a huge part of the mainstream and some of the stuff that comes with that. So we got really uh, down into some of the nitty-gritty and honesty and vulnerability and uh, I think you will enjoy our chat. So here is Jason Tantra. First of all, welcome. I love you. And second of all, would you introduce yourself?
1: So uh, my name's Jason Tantra. I'm a founder with my husband Ingo of Tantra for Gay Men. We've been running for 17 years, would you believe it? And today we offer our work mainly through retreats, festival, weekends. We have a team of facilitators. We do that mainly in the UK and also in the USA as well. And we change men's lives. About 16,000 men have been through our work in that time And yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I only kind of still love it and I really still love it. But I think what's happened is as that time's gone on, Rebecca, just a real refining of our purpose, my purpose, what wakes me up, what gets me excited, that kind of thing. And it's funny how it's changed over the years. But we knew, I just want to talk about how we knew each other, yes. because is like 12, 13 years ago, if not 14 years ago. I think when- more... Yeah. We both met in a peer group, didn't we? And, um, <laughs> is that the laughing We met
0: before the peer group, which is how the peer group came to be. Oh, okay. oh, oh yes. No, I was the thinking, thinking of a different peer group that or we were in later. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. I forgot about that other one. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking of <laughs> smaller one that we were in oh, later okay. on. But yes, there was no, a that was, larger that was
1: a one. one too. Yeah. Wow. We spent a lot of time together and we've, we, I mean, we've been through a lot over this time, but what's interesting is how we've still been dedicated really to this, this body of work.
0: Yeah. Both of us. I mean, you had been going for a little while as I was really mm. finding my feet and getting started and a real green newbie to it all. Mm. Um, but what's interesting to me is that so back then I, I saw you as somebody who was already well into that journey, you know, a few years ahead of me, as it were, in your personal journey and your professional journey of doing the work. So I'm really fascinated to hear how it's all developed. Like I can look at your website and see like when when you were first doing the work, when I knew you all those years ago, you Mm -hmm. were teaching other practitioners, but on a much smaller scale, I think than you do now. And Mm -hmm. you were starting to have teachers as part of your brand or group or something, but again, on a smaller scale. And you had just started doing the Tantra Festival
1: Oh, wow, really?
0: You just started it. (laughs) And it's been going for over a decade now, hasn't it? It
1: just had its 10th anniversary. And oh my God, you would have loved the last bit if I didn't have to protect confidentiality. The last video we were celebrating, ABBA, we were there (laughs) all. It was was emotional. Cannons were let off. It was beautiful.
0: (laughs) It's amazing. And I know too, like you've got an app, you teach around yes. the world now, like who you are and what you do. And Tantra for Gaming has grown exponentially in those 10 years. So tell me a little bit. So tell us a little, like you said, who you are. Tell us. What does Tantra for gay men do? What is what's oh, the
1: point? Just, what is the just, work? Just as you were on that question, I was I was just with how, what's still important to me. And the thing for me about Tantra and why I keep coming back to it is it's the only spiritual practice that uses the body and that uses sexual energy as a vehicle for, I would call it spiritual exploration. And, you know, in this time, I've gone out and tried and looked at many different spiritual practices and I followed different teachers and I've looked at different ideas. And each time I keep coming back going, yeah, but that doesn't include the body. Yeah, but that does. that's still like not helping people release shame or that's not working on helping people evolve and grow or it's it's not going through the body so it doesn't fully work. And I've kept coming back and coming back and coming back. Whilst, And I think this is one of the things about Tantra is that, and I don't know, maybe this is just me, but let me let me just say this. There feels like, because it's very counterculture, like when I tell people on a day-to-day that I'm a Tantra teacher, to be honest, I sometimes just do it for effect because I know they're going to be like, oh my God, that's so interesting. Why do, tell me about is is it? That sex and spiritual. And I'm like, oh God, here we go again. You know, my eyes rolling to the back of my head. But, you know, because I think it is a controversial practice, particularly in... The UK and and also less so in the USA because I think the US is more used to quirky and outrageous. But you know, it's there's still this veil of I, d- I want to call it like shame, or we're not going to talk about that, or we don't want to go there, Oh, that's very lovely that you do that. Let's talk about the weather now. You know, and this I I still feel like I'm on the outside of the mainstream of life. And what I think has happened for many years is, and I don't know whether you can identify this, but it feels like, oh, I'm wrong, or I'm, I'm, I feel like a salmon. I feel like I'm a salmon swimming upstream, or yeah. I'm the weird one, or the different one, or the the one that's trying to do something different. And I think I kind of owned that space for quite a while. And I think that was also part of growing up as a gay man as well, in terms of always feeling different. So feeling different was a very normalised feeling for me and a very normal kind of way of being. So as I've gone into my adult life and as I then, you know, became a tantra teacher, that being different and being weird and not fitting in to mainstream, like, you know, I go to my original friends and they've all got jobs in corporate. They're all earning ridiculous amounts of money. They're directors. And it's like, oh, and there's Jason who does this job that, you know, we giggle at or we talk about, we don't talk about. And and so there's been that feeling for a really long time. But actually, as I've gone round, like I've looked at different spiritual practices, you know, we see as superior or we see as better or we see as, yes, yeah, superior and better. And actually, every time I come back, I find a hole in them mm. or I find something that isn't being served. And I keep coming back to Tantra. Now, teaching, I have seen more cocks and bums and willies <laughs> than I am meant to in one lifetime, was it regardless of sexual or? Orientation, Okay And you know For me I'm almost like Well I don't, don't say almost like Absolutely Not as interested In the sexuality of Tantra However I see it As a really key component For people in their It's completely necessary That, that we're working With sexual energy But what I'm interested in Is the outcomes And what it does for people And, and what it un, unlocks And that's where I get excited About possibility Sorry I yapped on for low sentence. No no
0: that's Awesome! It's awesome, and I, it gets me excited too because I was looking at your website earlier, and I oh realized no, it's really I, I, bad. No, no, no! <laughs> but the website was our websites always need updating, right? So we just put that <laughs> that over there on the top. And I can't remember the exact words you use, but for me, it really nailed what I think of as tantra or the counter-sexuality work or whatever it is that I do and you do. It is self awareness and personal development work through the doorway of sexuality.
1: Yes, you know,
0: because most of the personal development, uh, self-awareness work out in the world, whether that's therapy, counseling, coaching, you know, all the different um, systems and programs that are out there that do all of that sort of thing do not embrace sexuality. It just leaves out this huge part of who we are. You know, I recently spoke to a chap who's a coach for men we were talking about the possibility of his, him coming on the podcast. And after a while, I could see he was really uncomfortable. And I said, you know, what's what's going on? Are you all right? And he said, I have to be honest with you. He said, I haven't addressed my sexual stuff. And so I'm not a good fit for you. And I was like, that's awesome that you have that self-awareness. Thank you. But then later I realized like he's working with men on being men and he hasn't mm-hmm. addressed his own sexuality. And so this, you know, and not to blame him. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's the norm, isn't it? Sexuality is what I call the final frontier. <laughs>
1: And, and for me, when you're in your sexual energy, you are, for me, you're at your purest and you're at your most unfiltered and most vulnerable and most seen. And of course, things are going to come up, you know, like shame or, you know, like even for me recently in sex, it's like, I'm still rediscovering aspects of myself and also how my body's changed over time and and how my attitudes or the way that I express myself and sex being a metaphor for that, how that's maturer, how that's different, actually how it's richer and deeper and and different.
0: Yeah. And I'm flapping about at that because, you know, I, I often talk about sometimes I often get emails from men who want to do some work. They're in their fifties and sixties and they tell me the gist of what they tell me is they want to have sex like they did in their twenties. And I'm like, Why? Why yeah. do you want to, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. like whether it was working for you or not in your twenties, you're now in your fifties or sixties and it can be better. It can. Mm. And the words that you use are the exact words I use. It can be richer and deeper, more purposeful, more meaningful, more magical, more expansive, but mm. it is a journey to get there. You know, mm. like you, you've had yours. I've had mine. Certainly as a menopausal woman, there's <laughs> been a whole mm. thing. You
1: like, know. What's, I, I, what's, what's that age? Was it 50? I mean, how on earth did I hit that this year? I'm I'm still in denial. Would you believe it? I'm still in denial about the whole thing. I'm really not impressed.
0: (laughs) I'm much, much older than you. And I can tell you.
1: I I celebrated a 50th birthday. I'm just like, what?
0: (laughs) I I don't know about you, but it made me grateful for every day. Even the shit ones that come along. It's like, I'd rather be having this shitty day. Well, most of the time than, you know, the alternative. So we're still here.
1: Well, and that's interesting because I'm listening to, um, when I go to the gym and I push heavy things, I listen to audio books and I'm listening to one about the, is it Bhagavad Gita, which is a ancient Hindu book of life and how to deal with it. And the ones that they're trying to put on the table, and I'm not buying this. So what they're saying is, is that, you know, the perfect Buddhist, okay, goes through life and is never enjoying or arousing life. So never, really feels pleasure but also then doesn't get swayed when the shit stuff comes in and so you're meant to walk the line between these two places and I'm like that's really dull that's really boring. And, and I'm, and I'm like, like, well, surely like what Tantra is about is about being total in every moment. And if you're having an orgasm, have a fucking orgasm. And if you're having a shit day, really have a shit, really have a shit day. You know, it's about extremes. And that's an interesting, an interesting idea. But the, sorry, I don't know why I need to say this, but for me, I just want to say a bit more about that because for me, Tantra is about burning out every single desire, every single fantasy, every single possibility of who you want to be and to just do every single thing. So you know yourself in such a more expanded way that actually I feel that you naturally fall back to this place of a stillness through, a place of richness Having explored Vitality You know Having done it all Inside out Upside down Backwards Inwards Every possible way And then never assuming That you've done it all Because actually You have to go back And then you discover new And then there's like This part that then Drops in and is centred Then feels more rooted In You know And I start using a hooky kooky language Around more rooted In the truth of who you are You know There's more
0: I, said, I use that language All the time Time. That's so. <laughs> it's welcome here. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting what you say. I think that those two things are not exclusive to each other. The the burning it out and living all the extremes or or the being centered and neither believing the good nor the bad or being swayed by, I think can coexist. You know, Mm -hmm. I think the idea is is to, it's that whole thing, isn't it, of having one foot in our human reality and one foot in our soul reality and remembering that we aren't just the human, but it's okay. And absolutely why we're here is to have the human experience but to keep an eye on the bird's eye view of things as well. And so it's to, it's like to not be knocked completely by the things that knock us, Mm -hmm. but to equally not believe in the joy anymore. Just to, it's like to allow it all to arise, isn't it? Mm
1: -hmm. Completely, completely. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And you know, Jen Day, you probably haven't spoken to her for a decade either. I don't know, but um, she had a really beautiful way of defining tantra for herself, which was something about, Embracing everything, you know Mm -hmm. that it's just that every moment you could be aware of and conscious in, and embracing it, and you know using everything is what she said. Using everything. So we're talking. She had asked me why I wasn't running workshops anymore, and I said, you know, I just i I wasn't enjoying it, and I gave it up, and I didn't like when I was trying to teach a thing, but then issues would arise with with students. I didn't have the capacity to deal. I didn't want to deal with that. She's for her. She's like, great. There's someone having an issue. Let's dig in, you know, <laughs> so for her, it's about using whatever's there. That's the tantric path. And I was not that good at it. So, <laughs> well, it's not that I wasn't good. at it. I just didn't, I just wanted to, t-
1: but it, it it's stressful you know there's there's a level of stress that goes on and i would have said you, when you were teaching well I, I love you so i'm i'm waving the rebecca flag you know in your supporters fan club because i think everything you do has been brilliant and i'm full of respect for you and what you've achieved i think you're brilliant
0: i mean pot and kettle and all of that because
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm just
0: Well, let's go back to where we started this, which was about like what's happened in the decade since we were close and in touch and kind of in each other's business. How has your work changed? So we know your work is about helping men develop self-awareness and who they are and your work embraces and uses sexuality as part of that. How has all that changed? Like what's the most recent stuff that you're doing?
1: It it depends at which level, because technically, you know, like I'm here in Palm Springs. I'm just about to do a Tantra coach training for a group. And then we have two one week residentials. I come back to the UK, I do a weekend workshop and then another week long in Glastonbury. And then it's like the middle of December. So technically there's like these different retreats and different, I guess, structures or products or ways of embodying. Embodying this work, but there's several passions that that are that are driving that. And one was that this body of work, particularly in the field for men who love men, because that's who I serve, particularly I feel like that the word legacy has been with me for the last few years. <laughs> not getting any, any. I feel at the two thirds point of my career of teaching. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm at the two third marker. And so I've got a third left. And it was like, well, how do I want that to be? So there was a real process of consciousness and awareness of, you know, an exit strategy, like, how is it I want I want this to be? And one of the things was then about, well, what legacy is it? And, you know, one of those things naturally is about the world needs a really good gay tantra book. Mm-hmm. It just needs that. And and I feel that's one thing I'd like to do before I cark it. The other thing I felt, because I'm not very good at, I'm not really a book writer and I'm not really a sit downy, all my, all my articles, I do them as video blogs because as you can tell, I'm not short of words. So I find <laughs> that easier. But the other thing I wanted to do was to really empower men who love men to bring quality to the experiences that they're bringing to others, whether that's as facilitators and teachers or whether that's as coaches. And I have seen all too often, and I think we both share this, Rebecca, where people have been exploited, where they're going to seek help, where they're going to basically seek help. And what happens is the person delivering or or being the vehicle for that help ends up exploiting them for sex or exploiting them for money. And I've seen many occasions where those are both exploited. And I think that's a danger in our field. But I, I think exploitation is there anyway, you know, Look at our government. <laughs> look at Not look much. at um, <laughs> look at any spiritual practice. You know, you look at like the, the government, and was it all the oligarchs and who they're friends with, and all the bankers? You know, and you just the smells of corruption all the way through it. I think that's an, a that's a, a part of human nature, and I think particularly working with sexuality and spirituality, that because they open people up, it has a much bigger potential to be harmful to people. And, you know, one of our ethics is do no harm. A really simple ethic, quite simple, do no harm. Whatever we're doing in, the, in our rooms, do no harm. And so what I wanted to do was actually all of the knowledge I've collected, I've evolved. You know, when I first started, there wasn't, there was only heterosexual tantra because it was only meant to happen between a man and a woman. And I was like, bollocks not to true. that. Yeah, bollocks, told, bollocks not true. That's how it was Well, and what I really love in the last decade, and I feel that that's intensifying, is all this identification with around gender and all of the different flavours and colours and palettes and way that people want to define themselves or the way that they feel that they identify in a way in a language and a possibility that was never possible before. And I utterly celebrate this, utterly love that, because for me, that's still part of doing life on full gas, really understanding who you are, really embodying it, really being all of that. And so, yes, part of my work has been about empowering people to facilitate safe ethical but also really transformative experiences and so all the knowledge that i've built up is on the table and we deliver that in a coach training we deliver that in in a teacher training and we also you know do our main tantra teaching through our work on um, both sides of the pond but that's kind of the the vehicles and the mechanisms of what we're doing actually for me why That's I've got more clarity. And, you know, the narrative that I feel to describe it is about helping create containers of really profound love and also profound truth and kind of sitting those two together. Like the the Tantra Love Festival, if you've ever seen 130 men in love with each other. I don't know how to describe it because I don't see it outside of that container. But you just, oh my God, it's just like, when I die, this is the place I want to go to. This is what heaven looks like. And, And that's really my intention around creating a beautiful, truthful, but loving container. Because typically men who love men... I don't think we're always that nice to each other. And I don't think we really always love each other. And we've got hangups and we've got stuff we're struggling with. And actually here you go to a container where you can just drop all of that. It's like putting down all of your armor and you can just be loved and be love. And that is the sweetest thing.
0: <laughs> I've got chills all over, you know, because so I, I was raised in America and mm. I came into my teen years when the AIDS crisis hit there, and mm. it was when I became aware, you know, as an early teen about gay men, I was hanging out in gay clubs when I was like sixteen. You know, it was this. Well, I mean, they were the only nice places. That was, to go. Only,
1: that was only last week, wasn't it? Well, was last week. <laughs> if I
0: went clubbing, that would be where it was. Yes, but there was something about, you know, the narrative around being gay. You couldn't talk about it back then, and if and if it, so it wasn't even safe to come out or to be out not in the South where I grew up, do you know what mm. I mean? It was always several years behind anywhere else. And, and so there's just been this horrible, horrible, detrimental, Stigma around all of that. And then as you know, I wouldn't know, but as you say, there's, then there's also not being nice. So you've got this context of it being a tricky world to be in anyway. And then you're talking about even within the gay community, it being tricky as well. And what you're doing is creating safe, loving, non-judgmental spaces for men to come, literally your words, put the armor down and be loved as they are for who they are Mm. and love back.
1: Well, and, and also if you take that a step forward with the advent of technology, gay men don't need bars and things like they used to or cruising grounds. You could just open up your app and it's a very judgmental world, like you're judging who you're going to interact with. And the other, pro- the and based on a picture, based on how right. they look, or the three words that they describe. And I'm like, but I'm so much more than my picture. And, you know, one of the things- Which three words am I? (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I advocate in the teaching is to step beyond the visible and actually to come back. So I encourage people. <laughs> I'm just a shit stirrer, Rebecca. I'm just a shit stirrer. Because <laughs> I, no. I well, because I say to people there is a interaction of love for you with every single P person in this room. Go and find it. Go and find what's true for you. Now, for some, that might be a hug, for some, that might be a really deep conversation, or it might be a cuddle, or it might be something sensual, or it might be something something really beautiful and profound and loving, or it may be sexual, but there is something for you for every single person in this room. And if you reject anything in this room, then it's an aspect of yourself that you're in in rejection with. When you start like putting those ideas on the table, that's really quite palpable because what people realise is how conditioned they are to act and operate in a certain way. And here's this new, possibility, this new world, with a very different idea of how to be in this world. Like for example, normally if we reject somebody, it's the other person's fault and it's them and they're wrong and they need to go in. I'm going to push that away. But if you own that as an aspect of yourself, then actually, shit, you've got to take responsibility for that now. And shit, that's something you've got to be aware of. Oh my God, well, how do I want to be around that? And and normally what's associated with that is lots of maybe childhood stuff, childhood trauma, or... You know, fear and fear about being vulnerable, fear about being seen. And yet the biggest thing I see, well, there's two big things. I see many things, but two big things I see as I'm here. One is we don't know, I think, fully how to be vulnerable. And actually, that can be a, a really uncomfortable place, but amazing. But the other one that was a real surprise to me is we don't know how to take So we don't know how to consensually really be in our power and take what we want. And yet the other person is begging us to please take, because it's like, I want to give up control, please take. And, And those are two big things that I really see.
0: Yeah. And anybody, regardless of sexuality or gender expression, can be shamed for that, right? Can Be shamed for having a need or having a desire or asking for that need or desire to be met. And so if you've lived a life of, of being shamed for that, and then you live in the context of the world that reinforces that, it can be terrifying to speak mm-hmm. up and use your voice and be vulnerable and be seen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I see that in the men I work with. Yeah.
1: So a lot of the work we're doing is is a lot of undoing. Yeah. Um so that's like half of the work and then the other half of the work is about showing them the possibilities. So
0: what I say all the time
1: Oh, is it? ok? <laughs> yeah, well, it.
0: the first bit is clearing out the thoughts, habits, patterns, shame, fear, and blah, blah blah. that's that's hindered your growth and evolution. And the next part is permission and possibilities to be who you are. And you know, if you've been shut down or shamed or whatever, your imagination, you know, and your fantasy and all of that has also been hindered often. And so people often just need someone to say, it's ok to want something. It's ok to have you thought about this. And then you get the ticker going. And, <laughs> you know. Well, and the other thing to
1: say here is for me, the peak of your orgasm is probably one of the biggest spiritual experiences you will have in your life because it is the moment where you are in a total state of oneness and the mind is not going. And for me, it's our purest moment when that happens. And, you know, as we know in Tantra, we're trying to cultivate that, we're trying to expand that, we're trying to step into that and stretch it and move it so that we can bring awareness into that process. Yeah. And then that, for me is where it then matches the spiritual, because then it's like, okay, well, finding out who you really are, you know, as you said earlier, you know, I'm in a body, but I'm not my body or I'm, I'm my, my mind body. is not all of who I am. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! I think you know. I think the core of our work is the same, mm. absolutely the same. You know, mm. and we just are, have been tasked with providing it to different groups. You know, I I was watching the part of the video on your website where you said about it being a calling, and I I describe mine as a it's a calling too. You know. I don't know about you, but like I've tried to walk away from the work many times over the years. Yeah, you're shaking your head. You have too, And it just yanks you back, doesn't it? Because it's what you're put here to do.
1: Yeah. And I feel a bit resentful about that right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to say more on that or do you want me to keep going? uh, Yeah, because I think, you know, I think there's, (laughs) I sometimes get resentful because I have really in this body of work, I've given absolutely everything I can of myself and beyond. I've been stretched in more ways. And there's part of me, and I don't know how to describe it, that there's part of me that's tired, but it's not a day-to-day tired. It's almost like a universal tired. And, you know, I'm trying different ideas, different strategies, so bringing in more help, but actually I'm still holding this. And it's only a new thing. I'm really, what's happened is I've got a 10 day period on my own. So I feel like I'm on a little bit of a mini retreat right now. Mm -hmm. And, and in that retreat, you know, stuff comes up because there's some space there. And I'm really dealing with, <laughs> this might sound weird, but the resentment of doing this work. And it's it's like an, it's an oxymoron when it's two things at the same time. Because I know when I stand in front of a group and I start, the Disney magic happens and it is the most right thing in the world. And yet there's a human part of me that, you know, is like dragging their heels, you know, and, you know, oh, God, we're doing that again. And it's like I'm really and I think maybe this is part of the hangover from the pandemic and then monkeypox and now the financial situation, you know, I've had to deal with unimaginable amounts of difficulty and shit to keep being in this work. And I can't seem to walk away from it. (laughs) I would dearly, I can't tell you the fantasies I have about what my life would be like if I wasn't doing this anymore. And each time I try, as you said, you get yanked back. And I feel at the moment like, you know, like a, a resentful child. Mm-hmm. I feel a bit like a resentful child because I'm, I'm still, there's part of me that's resisting that. And I'm really curious about that part of me because I haven't discovered that part. But, you know, as, as I'm being utterly truthful, that's one of the things that's going on for me. And yet I know when I start my retreat on Sunday with this group, it's going to be the most rightest thing to do. And I just wonder whether life is about these two polarities all the time, two things going on all all of the time in different ways.
0: Yeah. And there is a often a mismatch between what our soul is guiding us to do. And it like you say, it feels right and it comes out and, you know, you can drag yourself into the room. But once you're on, it comes through pure, absolute light and energy and that which is supposed to happen. And then there's, you know, what the human would like, or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I I think this is true for you, certainly for what I've known of you over the years, like when I am working, something comes through me and does the work. And I think it's the same for you, but that doesn't mean that that's what your human is wanting to do or enjoying, or, you know, the, that alchemy or light or source or whatever it is that comes through and does the work isn't doing the practical stuff that takes (laughs) to support the thing. You know, in order to show up in that room full of men to teach, the human youth has had to do a lot of practical stuff.
1: I have a team team doing a lot lot of practical stuff. But the other thing that, that for me is interesting is one thing that occurs to me is, well, if I didn't do this, And I don't know whether it's weird, but it's like, well, who else is going to love them? Who else is going to create those containers? And, you know, you're creating
0: the army that will.
1: Yes. But it's like, oh, it doesn't feel quite right yet. And the other thing is, is that we have our work attracts a lot of white men in their fifties and sixties. We are passionately welcoming of all men who love men with every different variation. But I also feel that they feel, and again, it's like an unspoken thing, that they're a bit clapped out. You know, they're too old. They're not modern enough. They've got all their issues and nobody really wants to be with them anymore and you know and, and i kind of see that going on as as a as like an unspoken languaging and actually it's like guys it could be so much different you know you you're you're just believing this conditioning you're as worthy of love as every single being on this planet as every single atom on this planet and all you need to do is a shift of focus or a shift of something to realize the truth because i I've like i can see something and it's like no that's not true
0: (laughs) yeah oh i feel like that all the time you know especially for the men who don't come to work with me but are in touch with me you know either emailing me or dming me or whatever saying yeah that all sounds really great but it's too late for me or that all sounds really great but it's you know no one's gonna love me there's no one for me to be sexual with or whatever and it's heartbreaking on one side and on the other side like you i feel like, well. That may have been your experience so far, but it's, you know, it's not over till it's over. And so maybe if you were willing to be open and learn some new things and grow, I mean, my favorite to work with is either newbies who are just stepping into the work and don't believe they're worthy of it. And then they have their minds blown or people who are really ready to drop deep in it, you know, somewhere over there where they've, they've had some sort of not awakening, that's the wrong just have their eyes open to what's possible and then they're ready to go deeper. But I also wonder something. So where you are feeling that snag, that catch of, do I still have to continue to do this? I wonder if there's and I don't know your whole body of work but I wonder if there's something deeper that wants to come out. You know like if you are because I feel that in mine like I tried just before the pandemic I think it was to put out that I was take going to take on one or two initiates and what I meant by that was somebody who wanted to work over a year and really go deep into the mysteries of all of this all of the above. But then for a few personal reasons and then the pandemic that never happened, that never took off. And I can feel the bit of me that longs for that. Like I love my newbies so much. There's nothing greater than taking someone over the threshold of dropping into their body and figuring out that their toes can orgasm and, you know, all kinds of mystical, magical things that you and I could teach someone that beginners high, I love it. But I long for someone who really wants to go deep. And I don't I don't get that often. And I wonder if that's something that you would love in your work is to, I mean, I think your stuff's already very deep, but I wonder if there's just like um, an advanced program that wants to come out of you.
1: Well, interesting you say that, but I would also say that the men that come on our retreats, like for me, there's people that are interested in Tantra for purely sexual reasons, purely social reasons. And I think that's great. And then there's people that are interested in personal development. And I think the nice thing about offering week-long retreats is if you're just interested in sex, you're not going to invest that amount of money and time to come and to do that work. So I think our work already naturally filters people because I'm I can only be helpful to people that are interested and in wanting to work on themselves and that want to do the work. And if someone isn't, you know, and I don't have a judgment about people that aren't, it's just like I'm not the right place for you. So I feel that no, I think for me, the I wasn't expecting to be so brutally honest. <laughs> yeah, but the thing for me is I just feel of I sometimes feel weary of having carried this infrastructure for 16 years and often feel the weight of that. There's some particular things going on in the background. It's really difficult, Rebecca. You know, I, being a tantra teacher is the hardest job I have ever had. I can't begin to tell you because I suddenly have to manage an office and then I have to decide the direction of everything it's doing. And it's like, I've done a four days work before I've then stepping into a retreat to then teach the body of work. And it's like four jobs all in one. And I think you know I sometimes have the fantasy of what would it look like if it was much simpler. And the thing is, is that where I'm at in terms of this journey, I'm not coming back to this place again. Yeah, and, I said and that so, recently myself. you what? Sorry,
0: I said that recently myself. I said I've worked on all the persecution wounds. I've worked on all the and like this is it. If you want to learn yeah. this shit from me, this is this lifetime, and then that's me done. I'm not
1: coming, I'm not coming back to this. Mm-mm. And and so there's there, as I said, said that part of legacy. It's like okay, well, how do I empower other people? How do I transfer? Because when I first started teaching, there was only In the UK, there was me, there was a beautiful man called Andy Sage, who's since passed on. He did amazing work. And then there was another guy from Germany doing it. There was nothing. And actually what's happened now is, you know, our app has 12,000 members. There are, there's a, there's a family. And, you know, I think one of the things we've done is we've, you know, people realize they've got tantric brothers on the other side of the pond and that there's all these other people out there that are absolutely interested in the same things as them. That excites me. So, yeah, you know, it's never a a one level journey. It's always an either or, isn't it?
0: I have two things to say to you here. One is that I just remembered I actually worked with a gay man in America. Oh, wow. Yep. Recently, who told me that your app kept him going during the pandemic. Wow. Yeah. Your app. And I think he's in particular pointed out he did some stuff with Barbara Corellis on the app.
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, he just said being connected to your work. Mm. He, he kept talking about the app but I think he was connected in other ways although I don't think he met you in person but he just said during the pandemic you saved his life mm. so imagine there's 12,000 well 11,999 other <laughs> men out there who feel the same mm. you know and I, I maybe it's time to step back and look at how many lives you have saved enriched Helped countless relationships to last, to be improved, you know, better sex men loving themselves more and sticking around longer because of you, you know, Mm. and and maybe, you know, like you said, you're two thirds way, maybe, maybe you're actually three quarters of the way through Because you've already trained so many practitioners, coaches, teachers. Maybe it's time for you to let go a bit more and sit back and look over. Just be there with like a consultant.
1: Yes, yes. But not
0: stepping into any further than that letting other people take the reins and if you were able to step back with consultant eyes then you might be able to do less frequent work but more meaningfully you might see all the all the chess pieces all at once but not have to be physically on the board moving them yourself
1: <laughs> well we I just employed a director so that's happened and yeah yeah Look at you!
0: I mean, it's been so long (laughs) since we caught up, and here you are hiring a director, and you've got, and you're in America. Like, it is awesome. Can I hope at least you can see how far you've come and how many people you've helped?
1: Yeah, no, I can't see that at all. Let's let's be (laughs) because there's part of me that's watching that ego part of me. I do recognize the work that's happened, and and I feel it, and. But it's like, maybe going back to like how we started this, it's like, I don't feel, oh, my God, I'm amazing. And I'm also not like, oh, you know, I've got to be humble here. Actually, I feel like in the middle place of, yeah, you know, that was what was meant to happen. That was how it was meant to be. And that was, you know, how it was, how it is meant to be.
0: And you're just not quite finished yet. It's just start, maybe time to start handing over some of the reins because it, you know, you know, you're no good to anyone if you're so burnt out that the work doesn't excite you anymore. You know, that it's not supposed to be that. I do think a calling is somehow harsher than choosing a career path. Do you know what I mean? Like like we Mm -hmm. said, calling yanks you back even when you don't want to do it and Mm -hmm. it makes you work on your stuff and it digs into your bones. Mm. You know, it is a very different path than what I understand choosing a career or just stumbling into a career would be. It, re- it re- does require all of you, doesn't it? Every single part yeah. of you all of the time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and and then also the not stigma, but the yeah, the, this work sits outside of mainstream, which I am most of the time really grateful for because I, I wouldn't want to be mainstream. And also, though, it can be really awkward. You know, like there was a, I don't know, like a summer social thing locally recently and people are getting together and they all, everyone has, you know, their nine to five jobs or they do this. Some of them are a little bit out there with their, I don't know, whatever it is they do. And then they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm (laughs) you know, people either glaze over and step back away from you or they step forward and they're interested, but I just don't know then. You know, like you said earlier, I have a very woo-woo language, and <laughs> so it's just awkward sometimes, isn't it? It's just awkward, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I tell you, the one thing that helped me—it's in case this helps you or anyone else listening—when I turned fifty, so I'm fifty-six now.
1: No, very, that I is am. not possible. That is I not am. possible. <laughs> I'm
0: very old now.
1: <laughs> no, when
0: I fifty. I'd had it with the work for a variety of reasons, and we went away. And I laid on the bed in the hotel, like a starfish. And I said, universe, take it all from me. I do not want it. I give it back. It's not for me. I'm not your person. You've got the wrong woman. You know, like I can't do it anymore. I'll get a job at Waitrose. Like I just forget it. And I, Oh, even as I say it, it kind of gets me in the chest. And I did that kind of repeatedly, you know, really giving it up. And then we came back to England and, you know, there were clients out the wazoo who needed help and my heart poured open and the work carried on, you know, <laughs> and here. And I and I love and adore my clients and I'm sure you do as well. Love and adore. Mm. Like when you're in the space,
1: mm-hmm. there's no place
0: you'd rather be. It's just the well, stuff around it.
1: It's interesting because you spark up a whole other thing in me. Oh. Around. So for me. In these moments of difficulties and feeling maybe weary or feeling like a universal tiredness, I don't know, don't know how to describe that. I wouldn't say I feel burned out. I, d- I definitely don't have that going on. But what I but what I have is, I guess, just typical organisational pains. But what seems to be interesting for as a feature is, I feel like the universe is trying to test how far. <laughs> It, it's almost like trying to show me the illusion of me believing that there's problems. I don't know if that sounds Ooh. weird. No, I get that. I get that. So it's like, you remember like as a fairground, we used to have those like electrical things you would hold on and you had to hold on for as long as possible. And I feel that the, the uh, I say lesson and maybe it's an experience or lesson, that's a whole other debate, but I feel that what's here, it's like, is this really a problem you're still breathing you've got food there's nothing on fire and actually the issues that you're seeing are they uh, uh, how real are they yes they're true but actually they, are they really that life and death are they re- is it is it true and it's like trying to show the illusion beyond suffering beyond what we go through and if life is pleasure and suffering and experience, it's like, well, what's above, what sits above all of those experiences? And I feel like what's going on is trying to point me to that, if that sounds, yeah.
0: Oh, I totally get it. As you're saying that, I can almost hear like whatever it is that guides you giggling, going, tee, hee hee, tee, tee-hee, we've been yeah. pushing Jason's buttons, you know. <laughs>
1: And to be tested okay. in ways where it feels like your world has fallen apart but actually has it,
0: and trusting that it hasn't yes,
1: you know? but it, and I don't mean that in, I don't mean that in a very trite way, I mean that in a really quite serious, like shit or bust kind of way and and I feel that as we, and I've never been a teacher that I haven't had to walk my talk. Every single thing I've ever taught, I've had to live through the show of dealing with it. You know how some teachers are like, oh, and you know, they've never even ruffled a feather in their life. I have had to crawl through gravel (laughs) to to, to, to every single thing.
0: But you know, that's what I, I, I've only taught practitioners once as a group Mm. many years ago and my the whole point for me of teaching practitioners wasn't to tell them how to practitioner. you know right. most of them had their own special magic already i could help or tweak a bit or give them a few ideas but my thing was about getting them to do the work on themselves you know yeah. as practitioners we are the best practitioner at the clearer vessel we are you know and i think you've said that to me in the past and yeah. that is that's the work for us isn't it is to constantly be addressing the paradoxes of being human and being being a soul or spirit or whatever it is, acting as human so that we can help our clients do that to remember who they really are. We have to constantly remember who we really are and find our way back to our power and find our way back to what brings us joy and all of that.
1: Completely, completely. That's why I feel like
0: whatever guides you is going, hee. -hee. Jason's Mm. in it again, but from love.
1: Yeah. 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 Possibly. Yeah.
0: I know. Tough love for sure. Okay. I'm going to try to bring this to a close because I could talk to you forever.
1: I know. We could, I could, I feel like we barely started and an hour's gone. I know.
0: (laughs) I know. I agree. Well, we'll just do it again. I just want to say, from my part, as someone outside looking in, that what you do, whether it's you personally doing it or you hand it over to all the many people that you've trained, Mm -hmm. is so badly needed in the world right now. You know, I think people of all genders and sexual expressions need this, but certainly the men you work with. Coming back to who we are at our Mm -hmm. core, remembering that we are love, love, remembering that it's okay to love and give love. Yes. Did you want to add something in?
1: Yeah, just because right now there's a member in our community who's in a country where it's illegal to be gay. Right, He's experienced physical violence for being gay from his family. And this guy, oh my God. Well, he's about to, it's not easy to leave his country, but he's about to basically leave and claim asylum. I can't even imagine what that would be like. But, you know, we've been his only outlet for him feeling the truth of who he is. You have no idea. And this guy is in an Arabic country and there's all the, like, India and, and, you know, the north of India going on in the background. And he isn't India. I'm just protecting him for confidentiality reasons. But he has lived. I mean, he showed me pictures of how his body has been violently hurt because he's gay. And I put an appeal out to our community to say, guys, this person's literally about to land in a country. They have just got a flight. They need money. Is there anything we could do to raise money? And there's a pot of cash there for him that will see him through his first month or so. And just that love and that uh, almost like fellowship and, and that community and that feeling of, yeah. And that for me is like, you know, for me, it's not that there's another person. Actually, there's a part of us that's all in asylum. There's a part of us that's all been, had violence against us in different ways. There's a part of us that's needed to be carried at some point. And so when I'm with this feeling that I'm with now, It's like, okay, that's this is, you know, what we're meant to be doing. This is what we do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And all the stuff that you were talking about, that's the doings of it, that feels like a huge burden at times. Mm. There'll be a way to deal with Mm. that. That you can get in more help or divide it up differently, or you know what I mean? Whereas your community coming together to help that man, literally saving a life, but Mm. even more than that, showing him. You may have it difficult there, but we love you and we're Mm going to come together Mm -hmm. and and help in the way that we can and show you that you're loved. I mean, the opportunity for people to come together like that and support someone else like that is Mm -hmm. priceless Mm -hmm. and so deeply healing. And that's, you know, you're creating that. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and it comes back to, you know, the one bit on our website is is about love. And, you know, that whole have you still got that sign? You used to have this light with love on it that you sat behind for years.
0: Oh, I had a sign that said sex that lit and up. You had,
1: one, you had one behind you and I think oh, when you were in London.
0: Yes. Stay um, love. Yeah it's, yeah, it's in a different room. That yeah, always used to I sit with it. me
1: whenever I saw you online, To seeing that, that love.
0: Well, and you know, that's the thing I remember about you too, is that whenever we were in a space together and you were talking about the work at that time, you were telling me that the core of it was love. That's why and you it, were there. And it because still is. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Just sometimes need to remember that, that's all. Do I love you.
1: <laughs> I love you too, sweetheart. It's been lovely to see you. And as I said, I'm in the Rebecca fan club where were passionately waving your Fan Rebecca. club of one. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's a big park. It's a big park. I love you yeah. too, darling.
0: I love you so much. And thank you for coming on and sharing your truth, and for being there for, for all these men. I, in fact, I've worked with men who have worked with you who were One was gay, but the rest were kind of questioning what would it feel like to allow myself to be affectionate with men. I think some of them were questioning if they were bisexual or were bisexual or leaning into that. And some just wanted to do some healing around affection and touch and love with men that wasn't sexual for them but your spaces provided safety and love and uh, you know a a welcoming space to explore something that you don't often see on the kind of hetero neo tantra stuff you know there's still too much of a threat of Mm. god forbid a man to cuddle another man or whatever so anyway (laughs) i love you i'm gonna i'm gonna stop recording but we'll keep chatting i love you and thank you for coming on Okay. Oh, wait, before we go, before we go, there is one more thing. Yes. I'm going to put all of your information about where people can find you in the show notes. Is there anything yes. you want to say about where people can find you and connect with you?
1: Just um, Tantra the number four, gay men. Look in your Google or Apple store or go onto our website, Tantra for Gay Men. That's the app.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sexual Alchemy Podcast with Rebecca Lowry. If this podcast has aroused your curiosity and you'd like to take things further, you can get a copy of my free video training, Reclaiming Your Intuitive, Confident, Sensual Self. The link is in the show notes below, wherever you are listening.